Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Breakdown. It's March 5th, 2023. We have a strong start tonight. It's the, the one little button that you always forget that gets you. Um, we got a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to be talking about a bunch of things. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, a lot of the developments over the week. There's been some rather interesting ones. We had the provincial budget come out on Tuesday, and then we had some new legislation get sort of explained on Wednesday. Uh, We're going to talk about all of that. We're also going to be talking about some of the finer points of the budget with Take Back uh, Alberta thrown into the mix with our very own uh, Sarah Biggs, Politico strategist all-around great person but before we do we got to talk about the story that's already up on the screen because i already did this introduction i feel like i did it better the second time i'm not sure i'm gonna say that i did though um and the story that we're talking about tonight to start with is the story from the western standard so to recap and for those of you who are hearing this for the second time on the twitter spaces feel free to join in because you probably know the words already back at the beginning of february the western lowered standard western standard I've done that joke twice now. I feel like it was funnier the second time. Western Standard did a uh, publishing of a thing. I'm not going to call it an article. I'm not going to call it a news report. And there's a bunch of different reasons that will become clearer in just a second here. But the Western Lord Standard did a thing where they talked about an incident that allegedly happened in a change room in Calgary where a nine-year-old girl allegedly, I'm not even going to say allegedly, and you'll see why in just a second, reportedly, publishedly was changing in the female washroom where they encountered a trans woman who as per the western standard was running around with all their 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 business out and the little girl came out was very alarmed told her dad hey dad there's this guy running around in the the washroom it's very scary my my childhood has been shattered please do something so the father who was, of course, acting in the best interests of the child and women everywhere, believing that men have no business in the change room, rushed into the change room where he confronted the trans person. Now, this story, fiction, maybe, probably, almost definitely, we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, This story touched off a firestorm. There has been a growing amount of anti-trans rhetoric and sentiment that has been imported by and large from the United States. And it seems like the Western standard just really didn't want to be left out. So they decided that they were going to, to run this story. Now we've also seen in Calgary, there's been reports where people have been charging into uh, reading. It's called reading with royalty and it's where drag Kings and Queens um, and monarchs read to children that's it they're reading books that's all they're children's books it's not a big deal it's also been going on in calgary for 15 years but because of this increased uh hateful rhetoric there's been increasing protests around these reading with royalty events and we saw that there was a pastor last weekend who charged into one of these events and told all the people there that they were going straight to hell never mind the fact It's important to realize there's a big difference between drag and trans. Drag is performance art. Getting upset at somebody being dressed in drag is getting upset at somebody being dressed like getting upset at someone being dressed in a stormtrooper costume or in an Ewok or a Wookiee costume or pick whatever you want. It is performance art. That's different than an individual who's trans. 
just to be clear. Nonetheless, these uh, hate mongers don't seem to be able to wrap their heads around this difference. And so they've been showing up at all of these reading with royalty events. And we saw this week that uh, some of these events have had to be postponed because of safety concerns, not safety concerns associated with the performers who want to read to children. Safety concerns with the hate mongers and the bigots who are coming out to protest these events, to force their way in and to traumatize the children and the families way more than anything that's happening with these reading events. My God, the reading. It's been going on for a while. So much so, and things have been getting so out of control, the Calgary police finally got involved. Well, they've been involved for a while, I should be saying. But they released a statement. And what that statement said was, what the Western Standard reported didn't happen. Now, the Western Standard has been doing a lot of controversial, dog whistly, hate based rhetoric lately. We saw a couple of weeks ago the gentleman Rahim Muhammad published a story that implied, at best, dog whistled aggressively, at worst, used hateful, bigoted tropes in order to get clicks. I'm not being libelous saying that because the author of the story, after trying to imply that Janice Irwin would include drag reading with uh, a curriculum if she became the education minister, he came out and he said, hey, he tried to defend it initially, but then he came out and he was like, hey, you know what? I was trying to get clicks. I said a bunch of stuff. I probably shouldn't have. I definitely shouldn't have. I'm really sorry. I'm going to be taking a break from social media, and I'm not going to be writing for the Western Standard anymore. I'm really sorry, everybody. I'm going to take some time to reflect. And it took him a little while to get there, but he got there. So you got to kind of say, well, you did a really bad thing, and you hurt people, and you inflamed this sentiment, but at least you had the temerity and the wherewithal to say, I did a bad thing, and I'm sorry. That's not what the author of the article, that remains up, this same article. This remains up. We pulled the screen capture of this article from like, I think it's from February 9th, February 6th. We pulled this this afternoon. This story remains up. The author of the article is a, is a fascinating character named Arthur C. Green. He's been writing for the Western Standard for quite a while. Hobbies include, apparently, running around uh, transit platforms and public spaces and taking pictures of houseless people because that's not at all intrusive or creepy or weird. And then publishing them to his various social media accounts. That's Arthur. But Arthur, he didn't apologize. Here's what Arthur had to say. It's not false. I interviewed the parent again this morning. She is actually trying to form a protest today at City Hall. Meanwhile, and then he goes on to attack some other folks. And then he includes a, uh, um, presumably a text message where the parent, she sent it to him. And she said, that uh, she can only speak to what she witnessed. Here's the problem 
if we go back to that original article that was published on February 6th that remains up, that the Calgary police have said is inaccurate. Arthur C. Green says, no, no, totally accurate. Talk to the parent, verified everything. She totally agrees. Let's take a moment and do a little story time ourselves and read from the article. The concerned parent said he wasn't the only one at the pool who had questions, but he was the only one willing to speak up at the time the incident occurred. He had questions for the lifeguard on duty. So Arthur C. Green publishes a story where very, very clearly the, uh, the gender of the parent is clearly defined as male because we use the word he like four or five times in just that paragraph. But now when he's defending the story and saying, no, nah, no, nah, all of a sudden that parent has now become female. There's some inconsistencies here. There's some garbage reporting here. And maybe before Arthur C. Green and the Western Standard go attacking people based on indeterminate gender, they should perhaps figure out the gender and the identity of the person that they're allegedly getting this story from. Because they're feeding hate, they're feeding bigotry, and they can't even keep their story straight. Moving on from there, though, we, we, have, we have some fun things to, to talk about. As we got into Wednesday, we saw Joseph Chow come out and say, hey, guys, you know what? We've got, uh, we've got some stuff we've got to talk about. Uh, we've got some legislation we're going to be introducing. want to play a quick little clip before we get too far into it. We'll also include an amendment to the Trespass to Premises Act and Petty Trespass Act to prevent the entry of federal government employees onto private land. What problem are you trying to solve that's happening in Alberta? Well, we are seeing federal employees trespass onto private land in Alberta. And as a result of that, uh, we don't think that that's, that that's appropriate. So we're, uh, we're making that... Uh, an offense in this province so that the um, especially with the water testing i think was a, was an issue that's been been addressed so should uh should federal employees decide to trespass in private on private land they will be uh, they'll be charged okay. this is already happening where, where is this happening what, what specifically which federal employees and then what would be the penalties if they were caught doing that well now you're asking me to get into greater detail with the bill i'm going to leave that to the minister of justice um well, the trespassing is bill what's happening on the ground that you're hearing about that's not in the bill well like i said i'm gonna leave it to the minister of justice to uh speak in greater detail about the bill what i'm here to do is to lay out the legislation that we are going to be bringing forward and uh, give you you know some high level information but uh i can't really go into great detail because the bill has not been tabled and once it's tabled you'll get a chance to look at it in greater detail and ask all your questions to the appropriate minister can you tell us has that already happened or is that something that you think might happen Yes, it has happened. When? In Alberta? What's that, sorry? When and where? So, like I said, I'm not going to go into great detail about the bill. I feel like this is something that you should tell us if you're enacting a bill on this. So, we're going to go, like I said, just questions for the minister. And you're welcome to ask him those questions when the bill is addressed. 
uh, or rather when the bill is introduced. But at the moment, I'm going to give you the high-level points of this of this session. Now, that was Joseph Xiao, UCP House Leader, giving a masterclass on how not to host a press conference. The bill that there's being introduced, it's uh, it's got some problems with it. But we don't want to talk too much about the details. All you need to know is that it has happened in Alberta. Federal employees have gone onto private property without permission. That's straight from Joseph Shaw. He said yes when asked the question. There's really no way to confuse that, right? Unless, of course, that hasn't happened. Because in the article you see on your screen right there, the reporters did exactly what uh, Mr. Shaw said. He said, hey, you know what? You got to talk to the justice minister. He'll, he'll set the record straight. I just know this is a problem. People are going on private property in Alberta. Worst thing ever. Well, the reporters went and they spoke to the justice minister. They got a statement back from the justice minister's press secretary. And they said, well, okay, it hasn't actually happened. But we heard a story in this other province. And there's some people who are upset about the story. So we're going to introduce a law to make it so that federal employees can't go on to private property to do water testing or anything like that. Like if you have your own land, it should be your own land. Nobody should be able to go onto it under any circumstances without your permission. And there's a couple of problems with that. First one, the obvious question that comes to my mind is what if stuff's on fire? What if there's a medical emergency? Are people allowed to go on private property then? Turns out the answer to both of those questions is yes. Also turns out that there are federal laws that would supersede anything that the province tries to put together that very clearly say that there are circumstances under which federal employees, including things like water testing, can go onto private property. They're not allowed to go into people's houses. They're not allowed to mess with like personal possessions or anything like that. But if they have to do water quality testing or other things like that, it's perfectly legal for them to do so. And it's backed up by federal law, which, again, supersedes whatever laws the province would potentially try to put forward not only is this performative but it should be alarming to just about everybody that the ucp house leader was point blank asked hey has this happened in alberta and he was quite happily happy to say yes even though the justice minister's office says well no it hasn't at this point, we're seeing government officials, high-ranking government officials, just making stuff up in order to justify the agenda that they've been told that they're going to try to justify for the, the base of the party, presumably. But he got it totally wrong. Moving on from there. We got to talk just a little bit more about the, uh, the limo ride. So for anybody who, who missed it, the story is Dr. John Cowell was appointed with, well, the AHS board was fired um, because they were incompetent, allegedly. And Dr. John Cowell was brought in to be the sole chief administer, uh, administrator. He's going to write the ship. He's going to fix all the wrongs. We played a bit in our last episode where he talked about the fact that he was told healthcare was in crisis, AHS is broken. And then he, he was happy to say, no, no, that's not the case. It turns out healthcare's fine. Everything's fine. 
There's nothing to see here. The, the, the ship is running perfectly. There's, there's no problems. Everything's going great. It's only getting better. Now, obviously, there's a lot of uh, evidence that suggests to the contrary. One need look no farther than the almost daily threads put out by Twitter user at YYC Cowboy, uh, where he illustrates how many rural hospitals are closed for emergency rooms, how many rural hospitals are closed for obstetrics or delivering babies. Uh, he posted one today that has some particularly interesting implications for uh, EMS. It looks like paramedics are going to love it because the directive appears to be that paramedics will hit a hospital 45 minutes later. They're going to be back out on the streets. And that's cool for paramedics. It's cool for people who need paramedics. But this is being dropped effectively very, very soon. I don't want to say the exact times because I don't have the email that he posted in front of me. But this is predicated on the idea that Daniel Smith announced that they were going to be hiring 114 nurses to take over patients. But she was very clear in the press conference that she had earlier this week that uh, they haven't hired them yet. So they're implementing a policy without having the safety net in place to take care of the patients. And hospitals are reportedly saying, oh, how are we going to do this? So another excellent example of putting the cart before the horse. But. I'm getting away from the point. Dr. John Cal was appointed shortly after he was appointed. There's this throne speech. Nobody wants to miss a throne speech. That's like a political Super Bowl event, almost as big of a deal as the budget. Who nobody wants to miss that. You got to go up to Edmonton if you want to see that happen. He was invited by the Premier of Alberta. You can't say no to that, especially when you're in this new role of fixing health care. How did Dr. John Cal get up there? Well, he did what any average Albertan would do. He hired a limo for the day to drive him there, stay with him and drive him back at a cost of $1,400 to the taxpayer. Now, there's been a lot of back and forth as to how how legitimate this was. People have been posting lots of pictures of what would a bus ride cost? People have been posting lots of pictures of what would a plane ride cost? What would a rental car look like? What would a rental car in a hotel look like? And most of those numbers still come up lower. Now, Dr. Uh, Minister Copping has come out and said, you know what? It was a reasonable cost. But reasonable is an important thing to kind of put into perspective. Because on one hand, $1,400 to hire a limo to drive you up to Edmonton and around for the day and then drive you home. I don't know what the running cost of a limo is, but I imagine that's probably pretty on par for for what limos cost i don't know you can leave it in the comments if anybody has any any current or accurate pricing but here's the thing the optics suck whether or not you can justify it as an expense doesn't change the fact that it does not speak to an awareness of the current climate in alberta cost of living is so high right now Inflation is so out of control right now that Daniel Smith and her government have implemented a bunch of affordability measures. They've slashed revenues for the province by some estimates, upwards of $2 billion through the gas tax uh, elimination or pause. They have provided selectively $100 uh, per child or really old person um, for six months. They've left a lot of people out of that, though. Stuff is expensive. Here's perhaps the best way to put $1,400 in context. The UCP, after cutting AISH by de-indexing it, 
announced just a little while ago, hey, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna make H more uh more reasonable. We're gonna we're gonna raise the the value of H. What's the difference between how much it costs for this limo and how much a person on H gets to live off of for an entire month? $387. That's it. A person on H currently lives off of $1,787 a month. But here we have the chief administrator of Alberta Health Services spending $1,400 on a limo to take him to the throne speech days after he had been tasked with taking with, with fixing Alberta Health Services. Now, before we move on from there, we want to take a quick second to check in with our, uh, with our newest compliments of, and I got to give props again to this person because I don't know who they are, but at Disordered YYC is a Twitter user who has a gift uh, and he's using it for good, or she is using it for good. It's awesome. They hooked us up, I'll say, with our latest political uh, commentator. Uh, they have uh, lots of experience in politics. They've been in elected office before. They have some thoughts on... Uh, the, the types of spending that we see from particularly the higher levels in healthcare. Minister often speaks about how great Alberta's healthcare system is, and on that point, he is right. We have great doctors, nurses, facilities, and support systems. But the administration is abysmal. Cavalier attitude toward expenses displayed by current and former health executives is shocking. It is shocking, isn't it? The more things change, the more things stay the same. Last thing we got to talk about is budget stuffs. So we got the budget, came down, and uh, as we discussed on our last episode, and we're going to discuss a little bit more when Sarah Biggs joins us, um, we, uh, it's, it's a big spendy budget. But it's spending in weird ways because some of the ways like it's very clearly an election budget. And as we you know, we talked and we're going to be talking, by the way, we're getting Dr. Trevor Chum on the show in a couple of weeks and he's going to help make sense of the budget and put it in a little bit of context because there's some things that he's made it very clear on social media that he's concerned about. We're doubling down on the, the resource roller coaster with this budget. Um, but we're also putting some money in some interesting places. So first of all, despite the fact that Danielle Smith spent the first chunk of her time in office talking about, oh, gosh, you know, Calgary, they really need a new arena. And I'm not just saying that because I used to be president of the group that one of the, the biggest involved members of owns the flames. No, no, I'm concerned about the arena situation. It has nothing to do with any sort of pre uh, premiere affiliations or obligations i just really want to see this arena this thing's got to get sorted out well it turns out there's no money in the budget for any kind of arena daniel smith talked a lot about hey you know what the the train to banff we got to get a train going to banff super important because reasons and those reasons absolutely don't have anything to do with the fact that the person who's advocating strongly for the train to banff also has deep financial interests in Banff and also has a large history of donating to 
the Wild Rose when Daniel Smith was leader at the time. No, no, that's just a coincidence. We just really need a train to Banff, despite the fact that the UCP government previously looked at it and said, there's no business case. Well, it turns out it's not a great business case, according to uh, Mr. Taves, to uh, throw some money Calgary's way. And there's a lot of people who are really upset about that. Don Braid wrote a scathing column this week where he called out the uh, the lack of anything from the UCP MLAs who represent Calgary, of which there are more than a few. There's 21. And the vast majority of ministers are from Calgary as well. But it's an election budget. So we got we to gotta spend some money to, to not in any way buy or influence votes. Nope, nope, that's not it. But in all of this, one of the people who cleaned up the most, in more than one way by some reports, but in at least one, was Premier Danielle Smith. Because she gave her office a $3 million increase in budget. That's 23% increase in budget. That's almost a quarter of an increase in budget from what her office had previously. But now, for some reason, with this budget, the biggest budget in recent memory, now we need to make sure that Daniel Smith gets her $3 million increase to her premier's office. Now, it's important to realize, and we talked about this on the Twitter machine before, but it's important to take it in context. Jason Kenney cut MLA's salaries. He cut the resources that MLA's have to play with. Here's Daniel Smith. She's not doing anything for the MLA's, not doing a whole lot for the ministers, but her office, yeah, we got to get paid. All of this happens on the heels of a legislative calendar that has already been messed up. This is the legislative calendar for 2023. Now, you can go back and forth on this. And I want to be clear. I'm not calling out individual MLAs. Okay? I have no illusions. MLAs do work hard even when some of them do work hard, even when they're not in the legislature. But it is reasonable to think, perhaps, that if you're going to have an MLA and you're electing them to represent you in the legislature, they might spend more than, I don't know, a fifth, slightly less than a fifth of the year actually in the legislature. Historically, they do. But with Daniel Smith's government, they don't. And we've already seen a reduction in the amount of time that they're going to be spending in the legislature. Because as you can see here, they were supposed to resume sitting at the legislature on Tuesday. Well, they showed up. They had a conversation about the budget. Then Wednesday and Thursday, legislature was also supposed to be sitting. Guess what? It didn't. And it's not scheduled currently to return until the 6th. So the MLAs and the ministers who gave themselves an early Christmas. And let's not forget, they dropped a week off of their legislative uh, schedule right before Christmas last year. And this was when they were 
and I, I hate to sound uh, cheesy about it, but there were no shortage of tweets and Facebook posts from teachers who had said, hey, you know what? We had gone out of our way to schedule a field trip for our kids to be engaged in government so they could see how government works, so they could see how good government's supposed to perform, so they could watch the MLAs and the ministers debating stuff in the legislature. We had a whole plan. And then all of a sudden they were like, nope, see ya. We got gingerbread to deal with. That happened just a couple months ago. And already they're cutting days off of the legislative calendar with no public explanation that we could find. So that's responsible government, I guess. We got one more. And then we're going to not only open up the floor to anybody on Twitter spaces who wants to join. Uh, and if you have any any thoughts that you want to share, if you if there's something that I've said that's, that's false, Please feel free to jump on and weigh in. Uh, do know if you if you tell me that I'm wrong, we're going to be fact checking as we go because that's just the kind of show that we run here. But if you have some thoughts, absolutely would love to hear from you. You can do that on the Twitter Spaces just by clicking on the little microphone thing on the bottom left of your mobile device. If you're listening on a computer, I'm told that you still can't do that. And if you're watching on the YouTube's uh, or the the Facebooks, God help you, then you can leave a comment and we'll we'll do our best to address them. Uh, going forward from there but we got one other thing that we got to talk about because it's not a great look hey alberta party how are you doing not so great these days hey the alberta party have been announcing some candidates and that's good uh they they've They've had some really strong candidates that they've announced. They've got Carrie Cundell and Elbow. Uh, they've got Dr. Jennifer Grace, uh, both of whom have, uh, I don't know if we've had Carrie on the show. We've for sure had Dr. Jennifer Grace on the show a bunch, a bunch of times. And they got a bunch of other candidates they are popping up. But they announced another one earlier in the week. And it appears that they didn't do, I don't know, any sort of oppositional research, any vetting. Because the candidate that they that they uh, nominated, that they allowed allowed to run, allegedly, is a, is a bit of a character. Uh, Daniel Smith tweeted him out back in August, thanking him for selling, uh, for going door to door, and and spreading the good word of the UCP and trying to get people signed up for her leadership race. He's also advocated strongly for the Sovereignty Act even though that's not a thing anymore. He's got nothing but good things to say about Drew Barnes. And he advocates that, uh, you know, we need to start recognizing um, hybrid immunity. But that's just the tip of the iceberg, because there's some other stuff that this, this gentleman has said. He, people have found Facebook posts, social media posts, where he's claimed that he can smell when somebody is asymptomatic with uh with flu viruses or or with COVID, that's just a thing he's always been able to do which isn't a thing that anyone can do otherwise we wouldn't need COVID tests and pcr testing just throwing it out there this was pointed out to the alberta party uh gosh almost a week ago now and the only response that we've been able to find was a one-word uh, reply on somebody's tweet where they said, "What's happening here? This isn't the Alberta Party that we know and love. This isn't this isn't even in line with your your policies. 
this is a this is a bit of a train wreck. What you what you doing here, Alberta Party? And their response was one word, and it was just wait. So I guess that's what's happening with with the Alberta Party. It's a it's a hurry up and and wait type situation. So that's that's super fun. It'll be really interesting to see what they do, if they do anything. And of course, in the interest of all fairness, if they do decide to uh, to to address the issue in some way, uh, we will we will do our very best to share that, as we have done with the multiple UCP candidates that we've called out for saying bigoted, hateful things and being raging huge fans of, of Donald Trump. We will. Uh, thank you. It's Dr. Angela Grace. I'm going to pay for that. Um, it's Dr. Angela Grace. I was thinking of the Jennifer who's like one constituency over. Uh, you me, I think it is. I take full responsibility for that. And I'll own my mistake and correct it. Alberta party, you could be taking some notes. Not saying, just saying. Looks like we got at least one person who wants to weigh in on Twitter spaces. Uh, and we don't have a Sarah Biggs yet. So I'm going to go ahead and hopefully uh, add them to the, the conversation. A little bit here um the politics I, I right now it's just showing up on my screen as the poly but the politics of disability and equity what's going on tonight if you unmute your microphone love to hear what's going on <laughs> what's going on well um oh god this I, I i have to focus because there's just so much going on in my adhd brain it goes like a million miles a minute um but one of the things, and I, you know, I know I've mentioned it to you, when I see them pumping up um, sheriffs in Calgary and Edmonton, when I see them turning around and trying to pass legislation, trying to prevent federal uh, employees from trespassing, I think voter suppression. Okay. You know, I think it's, and I could be wrong, but that's my fear is is this a precursor are you trying to ramp things up so you're getting prepared for the election and you're going to try if any the feds try to somebody says hey we want you to check in on our elections because we're not feeling confident and they put people in place to protect the integrity at the polling stations is this a precursor to try to stop that I, i i don't know you know I talk a lot about, you know, I, I talk a lot about the historic, the some historical values in regards to like who are the UCP, what is unite the right, where did it come from? Unite the right comes really from the I don't know the late nineties, early two thousands. It was the Reform Party. They had achieved official opposition status, and then it came out that they had connections with this neo-Nazi organization called the Heritage Front. They kicked a bunch of them out. They still weren't electable because nobody bought Preston Manning's line about, oh, I didn't know who they were. We withdrew their memberships. Um, A very prolific guy at the time, Wolfgang Droge, came out. He was the leader of the Canadian uh, version of that and said, oh, no, no, I, because he was seen it at Reform Party events still, even though his membership was apparently withdrawn. He says, oh, no, no, 
we fully support uh, the Reform Party or the Alliance Party, whatever it was at that time, and said, you know, and the reason we support them and we're right behind them is because their economic or their economic policies, as well as their immigration and multiculturalism policies are directly in line with our ideology. And, you know, anyway, they became unelectable. They lost their official opposition status. I think that's around the time they decided to become the Alliance Party. They still couldn't get they still couldn't get elected, but they managed between them and the bloc to split the vote enough that the PCs, the federal PCs, were reduced to two seats, I believe it was. And I'm going by memory because, yeah, you know, I'm old, enough, I'm old enough to remember all of this <laughs> when it happened. And um, so anyway, that happened. And then one of the things that Preston Manning was very, very, very vocal about was that he wanted to destroy the Progressive Conservative Party. So when they were reduced to two seats, that's when they took their opportunity under Stephen Harper. They said, we're going to unite the right. And they made a deal with Peter McKay, the leader of the PC party, and they joined and they became the conservative party. But the reform party has overwhelmingly been what's controlled it all along. And that includes people like Jason Kenney. We like to say, oh, well, he wasn't as bad as Daniel Smith. But make no mistake, his ideologies were the same. He just um, knew from history, because he was around at that time, that being too out there and too blatant about them is not going to let you get anything done that you want to get done. You have to do it slowly and as quietly as possible so nobody notices. So he came out here to Alberta after the NDP one says, oh, the problem, the reason the NDP one is, oh, they're, they're all divided. We're going to what? Oh, unite the right, which is the exact same language that they used back in early 2000, you know, late 90s. It's the exact same thing. And, you know, it's no, it's no, like ever since this has all happened, 20 plus some odd years ago, there has been both federally and arguably provincially a habit of these guys constantly getting their pictures taken and going to events with white nationalists and neo-Nazis. And they always say, oh, we didn't know when they get caught, which is exactly the same tactic that Manning used. And my concern, and I'll tell you, and this drives me nuts, there's the fact that Danielle Smith has decided to pay Preston Manning a quarter of a million dollars to do something that arguably shouldn't warrant him getting $250,000 says to me that this is just a fancy, sneaky way of trying to pay him for being a consultant because she, all, everything she says and does is, it's right out of his playbook. It is so like his playbook. And, and I honestly remember it all like it, like it happened yesterday. And yeah, that, that's what I keep seeing. And I keep raising the alarms because I think they really duped the progressive conservatives. They 
a lot of honest, good progressive conservatives, they, they really duped them into voting, you know, like voters and stuff into thinking that they're still voting for the same party, but they're not. They were voting for something that they ultimately all rejected. But now that it was under a same name and it was Unite the Right, all of a sudden people got confused. And now we're seeing it happen all over again right here in Alberta. And, you know, somebody has said to me, well, you know, Banny, he's getting old and blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, but he has aspirations. And he, you know, in the past, he was always very federal about not getting into provincial politics, but they've succeeded in, um, they succeeded in, of course, what they wanted to do with the PCs federally. And Alberta is a right place, unfortunately, because it's been so traditionally conservative for them to turn around and go, okay, here's, here's our opportunity. And if they can get, if you think about this, if they can get one province, once they got that province, then they have more leverage to start maybe going and trying to do the same thing. Well, I think they call right it across the country. And, you know, I said I was going to connect it to something else. My family, so my grandparents came to Alberta in 19, from Germany in 1924. They never talked about why they left, but I spent my entire life researching the political, socioeconomic, and every other thing going on in Germany at the time. 1923 was the year of the, what they called the Munich Putsch or the Beer Hall Putsch, Putsch, German word for coup d'etat. Uh, where Hitler in 1923 um, marched with a bunch of people from some beer halls because that was the place of political discourse at the time, much like Twitter is now. Think of Twitter as a beer hall. And they marched to the, the parliament in Munich and they planted bombs and they had tiki torches and they tried to overthrow the government. When I woke up on January 6th and turned on the news, I don't know what anybody else saw, but the first thing that I saw was Beer Hall Putsch. That's what came to my mind. And when I heard the news about what they were doing, it said the same thing. I don't think it was any accident that this precipitated something else that happened here in Canada, and that would be the convoy and their letter of understanding. The convoy was a little bit... Like it, it kind of overlapped. Yeah. Yeah. No, it did. It did overlap. And so, you know, my whole thing is, I think we just need to be cognizant. A lot of people like to say, remember the Holocaust? Remember this? Oh, don't call them Nazis. They didn't do this. And it's like, what we need to remember is not just the Holocaust, but how did we get there? And how we got there was like I've been raising the alarms about things for a couple years now. Nobody, oh, you're overreacting. But as we inch closer, some of the things that I've said, if we don't watch out, this could happen, have happened. And it's becoming more and more real. People like to say that it happened because of apathy, but apathy is not the sole reason. There's something else besides apathy. And it's this idea that we are comfortable, we've lived in a pretty free country, and we 
just can't wrap our heads around that this could ever repeat itself here. I and think we, that's I gotta, where we are in danger. Yeah. I think I got to jump in just for a quick sec there because um, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I certainly agree that there's definitely uh, some similarities in tactics and some similarities in, in dog whistles and all of that sort of thing. I mean, when they, when I saw that they'd rolled out their new, their new slogan about securing futures, I definitely got a little bit twitchy because anyone need all anyone needs to do is, is Google 14 words and you'll see why that's not the best invocation. <laughs> but I think one other thing I wanted to say um, is that I think it's really important to, uh, you can be very bad things without being a, a, a Nazi. I mean, a Nazi is a very specific, and I I've dealt with people who have walked around in SS uniforms and I've, I've, I mean, back in my day, we dealt, with, too. We dealt with things a little bit more uh, directly, I'll say. Um, so there are for sure people who are out there who have those sorts of aspirations. There are other people though. And I think this is more what Daniel Smith falls into. And, and some members of the, the UCB cough, take back Alberta. We're going to bring Sarah Biggs in in just a second here um, <laughs> where they're willing to use some of the same tactics, but I think that we need to be cautious. Like I'm getting more and more comfortable with people using the, the, the word fascism. Uh, when it comes to the UCP government, simply because it's starting to more and more meet the the technical definition. But one of the things that I'm always very cautious of, and it's not because I'm trying to minimize the right. the very bad things. Well, that and are I happening. have something to answer to this when you're finished. Okay, um, and then I got to bring Sarah in because she's waiting, and okay. she's got to start back. Fair. I don't want to don't want to keep her too long. But um, I think that it's very important that we're deliberate with the kind of language that we use, because if we start to invoke saying things like um, uh, Daniel Smith is a Nazi, I don't believe Daniel Smith is a Nazi. I believe Daniel Smith. Is all I, kinds I don't of know that she things. is either. I'm not saying that either. Perfect. Um, <laughs> one of the dangers is when you go down the road of rhetoric that is so emotionally charged, there are two reactions that I think that people have commonly. One of them is to go, yeah, they're the worst. And the other one is to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're going to throw that around, I'm out. And so I think yeah. that, that talking about the, the effects of what they're doing and the similarities is probably a more productive, I'll say cautiously. <laughs> well, and, and, and I agree with you, Nate. And I'll just quickly say, like, like I'm not trying to say that every single par person in the UCP, including Daniel Smith, is a Nazi. But one of the things that happened during the Weimar Republic and, and what gave rise is the Nazi party did not, well, they had some anti-Semitic ideas, but they did not think when they grabbed a hold of this guy called Adolf Hitler, they thought that they could control him and that he was a means to an end. They did not necessarily believe in the worst things about him and they believed that they can control him and that they he was a means to an end to gain power and so i'm not saying that that there that all these people are this but what i am saying is that there is a cautionary tale in that there are people that are thinking that oh well if we just stick around 
we can monitor this and we can keep certain aspects of this under control. But right now we're going to utilize this to get what we want. Oh, I think that there's there's certainly some people who are trying to mediate the impact of of Daniel Smith and folks like Take Back Alberta. I just yeah. I'm very, very cautious when we're when we're we're talking about historic events like uh, the Holocaust or other genocides. I think that it's really important that we <laughs> treat those things as separate entities entirely. We can talk okay, about but the hey, final solution didn't happen till later. 1920. I'm talking about 1923. No, no, no. I get that. I get that. Yeah. All, all that yeah. I'm trying to say is that, um, again, while there are similarities in tactics and certainly, you know, I think one of the one of the big questions that that people need to ask is if you belong to a party that is constantly having to say, whoa, 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 I don't know where these guys came from. We're not we're not we're not white supremacists. We're not racist or anything like that. You know, here's a problem I've never had. I've never yeah. had white supremacists. Uh, say, I want to hang out with that Nate guy some more. There's exactly like that's that's not a problem. Well, I want I want to thank you so much for for tapping in tonight. Okay. Um, well, yeah, and I I want to let I want to let Sarah come on, and I just want to say that that yeah, like I I'm with you. We are on the same page. I just there is that aspect that they're trying to harness to gain votes, and it's dangerous. And we need people like Sarah and others to keep being vocal and standing up and and driving them out. Speaking of letting Sarah Biggs be vocal, I'm going to bring her in right now. Sarah Biggs, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm so glad. And I'm going to be disappointing in a lot of people tonight because I promised someone they really, really respect and I consider it like my mentor that I would not be swearing. That's okay. I, you know what? I made a promise. You filled the jar up plenty last week. So I think. <laughs> is going to be the new. There we go. That's a perfectly good F. Uh, nerf. We'll call it. Nerf. Smurf. Nerf. Smurf. Smurfing. You got two things that I want to bug you about tonight. So the first. It's you, you, you've had a weekend and I know you're tired and I know no, it's been a long week. Like everything happened. It's true. We had the the budget. We had all of the other stuff, but I want to hear budget. You said you were going to take a look. Any particular highlights that you wanted to bring up? $85 million for a private charter school's expansion. That's cool though. Right? Like that's not a problem. It happens, right? <laughs> um, you know, so here's the thing. That budget is set. Sorry, because I'm just putting up. I'm not reading the comments. I am pulling up my worksheets. Okay. Um, where are you? I lost you. Oh, this tab. Okay. So, I'm right here. Yeah, I see you now. <laughs> um. So, no, I don't want to restore Google. So, that budget, to me, is a budget that is meant for the next 90 days. It is a budget designed. So, it is a budget designed to make sure that she goes across the finish line. It is a shield budget. 
It is a nostalgia budget. You know, back in 2006 when we're told, you know, natural gas will never go down. Everything's going to be okay. So we're spending, what, $58 billion this year? And the problem is that we have created an unsustainable budget environment for the future. And that is my concern. No, corporate taxes are at 8% right now. We could increase them to 10 to 11%. Nobody would scream. It would not drive, you know, it would not drive investments away. Because, um, you know, majority of the, you know, if you compare corporate taxes to, um, you know, taxpayer like you and me, um, the difference is quite, you know, we're, we're carrying the brunt of it. Um, interesting enough, federal transfers this year. How much, Nate? I don't have it in front of me, but it was not a small amount. I can bring it up was, a little graphy thing. I think it's something like $13 billion. It was not small. It was, I, I think it, I believe it was you that pointed out that if it was not for the federal transfers, as in the money that we get from the federal government, yeah, we would be in a deficit. We would be in a deficit. So, okay. So, you know, that budget is so what we're seeing is that okay affordability is going away in june um agriculture and irrigation um it's going up but it when so the 2022-2023 forecast was uh 1.9 billion we're going down to uh, you know, nine, uh, 892 uh, jobs, economy, development. Um, and the 2022-23 budget was 419, going down to 374. You know, not everything is an increase. Children's services. Let's go see it. children's services. Um, got increased quite a bit. 600 millions. Three, uh, you know, 600 million uh, supply grant. It's very nitty gritty. Like I had people helping me, like gathering everything. And thank you to that person. You know who he is. Um, you know, it's the devil is in the details. It's the small programs. Like okay, so they have increased the education budget by four hundred sixty-three million dollars. So I made them. I did the math, and it's about six hundred dollars per student. But then here's the caveat: we will not know how the education dollars will be spent until the school boards are putting out their budget and their estimates, right? So we don't know where that money's going to go. Um, indigenous relations got increased, which is always good. Um, you know, municipal affairs got a little bit of an increase, but not much. So, you know, municipalities will have to increase their taxes because it's not sustainable with, you know, the price of everything right now. Um, interestingly enough, for street park and tourism, seeing a little decrease, the forecast for 22-23 was 581. We're going down at 435 for an estimate. Well, I, interesting. One of the other areas that got screwed um, is the the harm reduction area? Yeah, um, supervised consumption sites got smoked. Um, mm -hmm. 
they got a, a five million dollar cut. Yep. Um for sorry, harm reduction got a five million dollar cut. Uh yep. supervised consumption sites went from where was it? 21.2 million to 14.5 million. million dollars. I'm just gonna give you know public safety and emergency services. Um they budgeted a billion fifty-three last year. This year got increased to one point two one seven billion dollars. What's interesting is that there's a line item that says grants to others for two hundred and thirty-six million dollars. Cough, Granbury Police Force cough. Well, well, maybe not. We'll see what's gonna happen because you know Granbury's talking about their own municipality police now, which is fine. It's okay. It's not a provincial police. It's a municipal, you know, it's fine. Well, except that the province has said that if they do go ahead with it, they'll kick in at least 10 million of starter money. And that's just the starter money. Yeah. And then you have like culture is going up because, you know, the Tulsa Park is getting, it's going to be as fun as Disneyland, apparently. And there's a lot of things are like technology and innovation, social support services. It, went from like 7.6 billion to 17.5 billion dollars so that's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen here there there's a lot to it right but uh, definitely definitely the um, programs are meant to help uh, individual suffering and difficulties uh, struggling with addiction you know, everything is related, does not fit their narrative, is being axed. And that's extremely, extremely unfortunate. Uh, Advanced Ed, they got $300 million. Uh, skilled trade profession got next to 13. Whoopidu. Mental health and addiction, they went from 101 to 166. And then that's just, yeah. yeah. But a lot of that is those yes. new, new uh, abstinence-based communities that, that Smith is starting up. I want to uh, just answer a question that was in the comments here real quick. It was asked, was it an austerity or a spending budget? I think it's both. Oh. Yeah, it's a spending budget if your uh, things align with Smith's priorities. It's an austerity budget if they don't. And I again, I'm going to go back to the harm reduction budget because it, that is one that drives me particularly crazy crazy we're talking about evidence-based modalities that actually work that keep people alive that divert people to services that reduce the number of needles on the streets like i could go on and on and on yes. and those are the areas that are getting cut to push ahead with a model that has far less evidence but, of being effective you know also um I lost my train of thought. So if you, like I wrote this week, if you look it at a way of, you know, a regular Alberta who doesn't pay, you know, a lot of attention and just looks at the headlines, increase in education, increase in health care, increase in mental health and all that, the budget looks good on the surface. But when you start scratching, so the UCP will be better off the less people are scratching down the surface i was talking about um you know personal income tax so for this year um personal income tax are expected to be um 14 billion dollars and corporate income tax my friends 
You want to know how much? 5.9. Which is wild because here's, here's the two things. First of all, I don't know about the average Albertan, but I feel like based on the kind of rhetoric that we've seen for both of the major political parties, there is a real cost of living crisis going on. Whereas if you take a look at a lot of the major corporations, there's a, oh man, where are we going to put all our money problem? And so the fact that personal income taxes are three times what corporate taxes are when Alberta has by like a lot the lowest corporate tax rate we could go to 10 percent and still be in the the top of the least <laughs> that's a weird way to position it um but we would still have some of the lowest corporate taxes in the in the country we do uh, so transfers canada health transfer hold on i'm making sure that i'm at the <sighs> those columns i'm telling you it's killing me uh, just look at the Trevor Tomb graphs. That's how I get away with it. <laughs> so, you know, budget estimate. Let me, sorry, guys. I look exhausted and not very motivated, but I'm trying to make sense out of this. Okay. Canada home transfer 6.79. Canada social transfer almost 2 billion. Direct transfer to Alberta Innovates Corporation $600 million. Um, other payment, including a $750 million. Fiscal stability, uh, $750 million. Canada, Alberta, Canada, wide early learning child care agreement, $937, you know, labor market, agriculture, infrastructure. We're getting a lot of money from the feds. And, you know, that's million. And, and it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen. But the thing is that, well, gaming went up. Okay, Berta, we need to talk. Oh, drinking one down. Okay, that's good. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, we, you know, the government need, needs to look at new and streams of revenue because right now we're seeing $75, $80, a barrel. We're doing fine. Okay, we pissed away the surplus. We have $2.4 billion left, $1.5 in this, you know, emergency fund, you know, and just in case, oopsies, we decided to give money away to someone that we were not planning on to, um, maybe. Um, but then well, what are we going to do in three years? What are we going to do in five years? What are we going to do in 10 years? That's the thing. Like, I don't mind paying my corporate taxes. I don't mind paying my taxes. But, you know, the brunt should not be supported, like, three times fold by the taxpayers. It should be also the corporations, and I'm not a socialist here. I'm just thinking about that new framework that they put on about, you know, forcing the ministers to have a balanced budget every year because what's going to happen in five years? Healthcare is going to go down. Education is going to go down. We're going to go back to, you know, 2016 levels. And it's just going to be horrendous. And universities are going to go higher. And here's a problem. You know, they're putting the cap in 2024, 2025 at 2% increase for universities. But the university's funding are, are going down. So the universities will have less money to deal with. It's, you know, if you look at it, if you look at it, it's like good budget, pretty budget. But if you look like my dog Leonard, who has issues when you start getting to know him, um, you know, it's not always ideal. 
There we go. The other thing that I wanted to to talk about with you tonight mm. is you you wrote this little column. You did a you, you did a tag team effort, yeah. uh, and you were talking about I don't know the the fundamental corrosion and corruption of our democracy in our province of Alberta. What uh, what am I referring to there, Sarah Biggs? Nothing. No, you can't do that. You got to run with it now. Take back Alberta. There we go. So you wrote a column with Dr. Thirty thousand new best friends in the province. <laughs> you wrote a column with Dr. Dwayne Bratt, political scientist from Mount Royal University. And what was the what was the, what was the, the thrust of the column? What, what, what was the so you're saying, hey, the grassroots democracy that take back Alberta is bringing to the equation. We need more of this. That's that's what you're saying, right? No, 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 no. I said we need less take back Alberta, more, you know, no nonsense. Um, you know, we wrote the column three weeks ago. Yeah, three weeks ago. And I kind of forgot what was in the column. So I because I, I wrote another piece this week and there's a lot of stuff happening. So I kind of, you know, forget. And, you know, I was going back and, you know, I went to look into, you know, telegram spaces and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what they wrote is accurate. We're not sure about the fundraising numbers, but those are fundraising numbers that they, those were goals that they set themselves, set up for themselves on December 14th, because I have screenshots, guys. Sarah Biggs always has screenshots. So even the screenshot is saying that we are right about it. So basically, we're talking about how they're going from, you know, constituency to constituency and trying to fundraise money and trying to take over every single, uh, I was going to swear here, Fuddle Smurf um, constituency in the province and really trying to take over the party. It is a takeover. You know, I, I was talking to someone sent me a DM today. Ooh. And they were talking how um, uh, how they don't even announce when they're not in favor of, you know, uh, you know, uh, nominee for the UCB in a writing or they're not supporting that candidate. They don't make themselves announce. They don't even announce themselves when they come in for meetings. Usually people find out and they're kind of, you know, sneaking in and listening and trying to understand. Oh, by the way, Betty's restaurant in Calgary? Mm-mm. To avoid, they had a TBA event the other day. Denny's did? Benny's. Okay, I was like, you can't take away Denny's. No, no, not Denny's. I need my skillet. Yeah, no. Isn't it Humpty's that has skillets? I don't know. Um, don't talk that way. We're sorry, Denny's. Please don't. Don't be I, I, I don't know. I I love, I love the skillets. <laughs> totally normal conversation. But no, so, you know, it's interesting how they, um, and the, the individuals that they're targeting as well, right? They are trying to take over more and more and more. And what I've seen, so Twitter's been nice with me because some, uh, what, what, what's that? Who's guy? The name Van Wouldn't you? Would you? Van Bush is how yeah. I like to say it. He's, you know, he commented on my timeline when I posted the article and was like, "This is just the beginning." All right, bud, you're the CFO of Take Back Alberta. You're facing federal charges. That's great, you know. Um, but it was not, you know, it was not a piece. And we were extremely careful when we were writing the piece to not defame 
just go with facts. And that, that was something That's not that always we, enough to keep you out of trouble. I'm told. Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> um, because, you know, screenshots. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was meant to be more of an educational piece for individuals that do not understand how Take Back Alberta works. Um, we wanted to make sure that they were aware. We want to make sure that people understand. We tried to simplify it. We tried to make it an easy and pleasant read on a Saturday morning. With a it very bitter nice. coffee. I don't know that it was pleasant, but it was uh, it was an easy read. So yesterday I was in a meeting all day, and um, I didn't know they were going to release it yesterday. And I got a message from Dwayne, and I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh no!" Oh, did you just Sarah Biggs? No, no, no. Say... I did not do like. I was like, "Oh, poo poo doodle." And, you know, I had no idea they were going to release it yesterday, but it, it was quite fascinating to see, like, you know, some of the responses and a lot of, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you know that certain individuals are saying, saying that you're wrong, it's because you're right. So usually when I'm heading in the tone, the opposite direction as what they're doing, we're fine. We're okay. But that's the thing. If you are writing opinion pieces, when we need to be, you know, when you're expressing an opinion or you're, you know, communicating some information about those groups, you need to stay with the facts. You have to, because if not, it's just going to make it harder and harder to be credible. So you need to stay with the facts. You wouldn't want to, I don't think, uh, for example, let's say that you were writing about Mr. Hugenbos. Um, you wouldn't want to get his gender wrong, depending on the story that you're writing, I imagine. That would yeah. probably damage the credibility of your overall story. Yeah. There's yeah. my middle finger for the Western Standard again. I'm so going to keep on that one. But no, it's, it's been interesting. You know, I'm getting messages, more and more messaging from individuals that have attended those Take Back Alberta meetings. And I, I don't know if, you know, I'm being told that they're broke. No way. But I'm having a hard time because they, apparently there's, from what I was told, apparently they're telling people, you know, we don't have a lot of money. Let's pass the hat. Is, um, is, has the Lululemon money dried up all that much? He's not Lululemon anymore. He sold it years ago. And don't tell me that because my home wardrobe is Lululemon. <laughs> So we got to back it up and just explain that a little bit yes. because there is Pacific network prosperity. There, prosperity. There, there is a lot of ties between, including on their own website. There are a lot of ties between the grassroots organization that sprung up naturally as a reaction to, I don't know what in Alberta to political movements that actually originated in British Columbia. They had Pacific Prosperity on their own website for quite some time. They have significant financial backing, allegedly, from BC. They have done similar programs, almost as if they were doing a beta test or something. I don't know. I'm just speculating. That's uh, true. 
yeah in in bc so this is this is not just a uh grassroots thing that has sprung up out of natural outrage this is a a very coordinated very sophisticated it's sophisticated it's grassroots but there's a big machine behind it Um, it's grassroots like canada action was grassroots i suspect but you know what's fascinating? We take back Alberta was trending today on Twitter. I was like, oops, I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. But no, it's, you know, it's important to be informed. It's important to do our homework and then make sure that individuals are informed. It's not to sway the vote one way or another. It is not. The intent that we wanted to, the intent that we had is that to make sure that people knew how they function, how they operate, what their modus operandi is, what their intentions are, and to make sure that they had all of the information available to them. That's what we were keeping in mind when we wrote it. Because, uh, you know, the media, and I understand why the media doesn't talk a whole lot about Take Back Alberta, but at the same time, coming this close to the election and seeing all the grasp that Take Back Alberta has on the party and on the constituencies right now, people need to know because maybe you don't know that your candidate was backed by Take Back Alberta because your candidate sounds reasonable, but they are placing their eggs. They're not putting their eggs in the same basket. They are very careful into putting eggs everywhere and they're pushing candidates. like they're pushing a candidate in Cypress Cypress Hill Medicine Hat right now. It's going to be interesting what's going to happen there. But, you know, at the end of the day, or, you know, Livingston McLeod seems to be lit these days. On that. Hold on. Where's my tinfoil hat? Anyway, I can't find it. Have so I here's what my question is for Take Back, for, for you on Take Back Alberta. Because yeah. it seems like, to me, purely opinion. Yeah. Their, their, their slogan, their raison d'etre. That was my best French right there. Raison d'etre. That's that's what I was. That's pretty much what I said. You were close. You almost got it right. Um, <laughs> the, the the reason their their the whole thing is to take back Alberta, which I have problems with because uh, who are you taking it back from? But is it not interchangeable with this nebulous enemy? Especially given their strategies, they managed to take over half of the provincial UCP board. They're doing an excellent job of taking over UCP constituency associations. They're doing a very good job of exerting a stunning amount of influence on the current premier and the people who are supporting her. Can't we just call it takeover, Alberta? Wouldn't that be more honest? uh, Stay tuned. There's not a piece coming. No, look at me go. (laughs) Um, There's something else. In the works. Probably we're going to be finishing this week. Great we'll see. Time. We'll see. I love working with Dr. Brat. It's great. He's amazing. Well, um, speaking of Dr. Brat, I'm going to use this as a seg. Um, next Sunday, we're going to be back on Wednesday. We're going to be doing the whole, the whole, whole, whole live. Yeah, right. I'm on vacation next Sunday. Well, next Sunday you're on vacation. Next I Sunday am. I will be uh, otherwise occupied, I'll say. I'm um, sorry. Shush, you. Um, 
And uh, so we're going to be releasing in the same sort of live format that we do these things in. We're going to be releasing a conversation that I had with uh, Dr. Dwayne Bratt earlier this week, where we talk about um, the new book that he and a few other folks edited called Blue Storm, which is uh, the rise and fall of of Jason Kenny. And it's there's there's a chapter on the blue truck, too. There is a chapter. You know what, though? I've been working my I had to read Dr. Dr. Brack gave me some homework before I got into the interview. He said, these are the things that you have to read. Make sure that you read them first. And I said, OK, because I'm a good poodle and he scares me just a little bit. Oh, um, nice. He's super nice, but I don't want to I don't want to like I have mentioned before that I, I years ago I was in one of his poli sci classes. Uh, I did terribly. I was like so unconscious for most of them. Um, and I feel really bad about that. So I don't want to screw it up a second time is really where I'm coming from. So I read the chapters and I've since been working my way through the book. And you know what? I, I got to say, I was, I was a little, little excited over today, Sarah. I'm not saying that the breakdown gets a mention in the book, but <laughs> so not only. I want a paper copy. I need to talk to Dwayne. I want to bring a paper copy with me in Mexico. Not that I'm going to be on vacation. I shouldn't be reading that kind of stuff anyways, but. um, It's actually a relaxing read. It's not like a, like there's things that I have to read sometimes where I'm like, oh, this is technical and I need to understand it and I need to apply myself. There's heavy shit I was planning on bringing with me, but I think I'm going to, I said poop, heavy poop. There we go. I'm really trying. Okay. I went from like 150 to two. Here's the thing. It's an amazing interview. And I can't not, not only is it really, really good because we talk about the book, we talk about how it was developed, we talk about the current state of Alberta's politics, we talk about Daniel Smith, we maybe get into some, maybe some predictions. But there's also some, some very, uh, there's some heavy moments in the, in the interview that uh, are impactful, I'll say. I can't wait to see it. Sunday. We're going we're gonna to release it at 8 on Sunday because we won't be doing a live show, so we'll be releasing it. There will be chat available, though, so if you're watching it with us as it's released live on Sunday and all of the standard places, then... Uh, Maybe I'll try to... But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen in the next few weeks. Can I... Can I so I received an email today from the, Alberta, uh, from the NDP, and it's titled, Alberta is like a calf. Is what like? Like a calf, a calf, a baby cow. <laughs> I'm not Alberta's like a calf. Oh, do you go on? Oh, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of them. I really am not. I'll take care of that. But that one's not a home run. And to that poor, to that very, so I was in Edmonton. For a good part of the week and to that poor fundraising person from the ndp that called me and tried to fundraise for a hundred dollars off me and then i told them no because i'm waiting to see what more sub- substance they're going to bring into the table because i haven't seen one policy really yet and you know we don't know how the healthcare plan is going to work and blah, blah, blah. and he was like okay i understand he was like well can i explain it to you i was like well no i'm and it's my maiden name in the NDP database. So and I was like, well, you know, I can do that for work and I, I, I know what it is. And it was like, no, no, but please let me explain it to you. I was like, no, really, it's okay. 
I'm a strategist. I write policy. I know. But then after that, I was like, I can't. I can't give money to anyone right now because I'm not satisfied with what I'm seeing out there. And then he was, he was like, yeah, but ma'am, are you tired of the chaos happening? And I had to press mute and <laughs> bang my head on the desk for Love a that word. two minutes. And I was like, and he tried to fundraise me for $100. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but no, not today. Is a calf, but, does a calf have to be a boy cow or a girl cow? I, I feel like know. it's sort of a generic I, term. I don't know. We, we own the farm. Grandpa had cows, so we should know that. Because here's, here's my thing. I only have two words if Alberta's like a calf. The province of Alberta. Let me ask my husband. Is a calf uh, a baby boy cow or Girl. The things that I Google on the fly. It is the yeah. young of a domestic cow. It doesn't appear to be... Oh, it's uh, like a baby for humans. It's it's also part of the leg. Maybe that's what they meant. It's it's Alberta. Is... So no, so they're announcing that they're going to be hiring, you know, 3,600, you know, healthcare workers. That's great. Where are they going to... Where are they coming from? Okay, here we go. I just, I just looked it up. Yeah. A calf is a young cow or bull so it's not uh gender specific neutral it is it is a gender neutral term and i just have two words for for the ndp running um on their uh their that theme prairie oysters Wait. i'm just saying if you want to extend the metaphor we can extend the metaphor <laughs> I was so disappointed when I saw the email. Oh today. boy! Great opportunity. So let's talk about the thirty-six hundred uh, nurses or whatever they're going to be hiring in the next few, uh, you know, in the future. Um, where are they going to find them? I, I'm still trying to figure. Like I, it, it, YYC Cowboy announced tonight. He he oh, shared an email uh, that there are changes. That's another one. Um, uh, there are changes coming to the way that EMS drops off uh, patients at the hospital. Where it's March 15th. Mandatory that it's no more than 45 minutes in the hospital. Um, now, this gets to be real interesting real quick because it was just earlier in the week that Daniel Smith was talking about. Excuse me. Daniel Smith was talking about uh, we're going to hire these 114 nurses to be able to take over the patients. And when they were asked, have you hired them? They were like, well, we're going to. So I hope they do it quickly because they've got nine days. And they're going to be trained for ER in nine days? Well, that's funny. <laughs> I'm just saying ER nursing is not regular nursing. It's, di it's different. It's very different. It's like ICU nursing. It's a different level than... You know, not to denigrate other specialties. That's not what I'm trying to say. But ER is very, very big. It's different. It is. Oh, but, you know, how are you going to find 3,600 physiotherapists, doctors, henotherapists, um, telesotherapists, um, you know, LPNs, nurse practitioners, physician assistants. A, we don't have a physician assistant program in the province. 
So, you know, you need to go to Manitoba or Ontario, I believe, to go get accredited. Because I was looking at it, I was like, oh, I could be a physician assistant, just dump my career, which it, it's like my midlife crisis right now I'm going through, but I don't want to move to Ontario. Just so. get an old convertible. It's delightful. Yeah. Makes all the difference in the world. Um, yeah, but my car is almost a convertible, though, because I have a big glass roof. It's not the same thing. Sarah, did you know? What? I'm going to get in so much trouble. Did you know that like calves, Alberta needs care? I rarely check my emails, but this was worth checking it for. Okay. <laughs> but, like, when I saw the email, I was like, what? Guys, there's so much happening. There's so much you could grasp right now. Run a positive, run a positive campaign, but assert your position, please, please. Let's do that. I don't want to hear about cows right now. I got a half, half of one of my freezer downstairs. I'm good. Well, nothing's going to capture the 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 Calgary vote in Battleground Calgary, like talking about calves. Well, you know, if they open more Arby's, maybe, which would make Andrew Yule like super happy. No, nobody, nobody wants that. No, nobody, nobody wants I don't that. Like I know, no, no. but no, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. Like you know, now, oh yeah, can we talk about cow for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Because I already made fun of him. Uh, I think that was before you joined in, but I already made a bunch of jokes. But what do you got? Yeah, what the fuck? You know, Joseph Scow or or Shao, depending on how it's pronounced. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm French. He's like a calf. He needs care. Go on. <laughs> so I was talking to a uh, somebody that owns a ranch in Southern Alberta yesterday. Uh, one of the, the oldest, biggest ranch in the province. And I was like, it's not a thing. It is absolutely not a thing. They don't have those problems they don't you know they never encountered anything but the thing is that now what i'm worried about is that you know we're introducing a gun on a bill gun on bills a bill on guns and then after that we're going to tell them that federal agents are not legit to go water testing because canada water act y'all and then uh so somebody's gonna get hurt like I have questions, I have a lot of questions, and it's the it's almost a dissonance. Like remember when Jason Kenny used cognitive dissonance to describe a few things the NDP was like. Like the, this is one of them. Like we're having issues here. We're there's so like and funny enough, they're not even using the Sovereignty Act on that. Have you have you seen? Has anyone noticed? How the Sovereignty Act is dead, gone. See you later. This was one of the fun things that, at that presser where where Mr. Mr. Shaw just lied. Um, the, he was asked, "Hey, you've got this legislative schedule." Daniel Smith was very clear with her MLAs and her ministers. You got to come back with suggestions. <laughs> uh, we want to know how we're going to use the Sovereignty Act. And he was like, "Ah, oh, well, you know, this is." I'm here to give you high level stuff and you know, I'm not going to talk about, about that. Good to see your smiling faces, everyone. It was, it was, 
like it was a masterclass in how not to do a press conference. Um, you know, it was a little disturbing, but that's okay. I, I've seen worse. Um, but no, so this what's fascinating is that in all those laws that she's going to be introducing, all those bills she's going to be introducing, the Sovereignty Act will not be used. It's fascinating because those are instances where she could claim that she could enact the Alberta Sovereignty Act because it goes with federal jurisdiction and we want to assert the sovereignty of Alberta and it's, an, you know, independence. But why, um, use, why use an existing law when you can just write a new one? Yeah, but fuddle-duddle, Nate. We spent a whole legislative session on Bill 1. The Alberta sovereign within a unified Canada or something. I don't remember the bill. But we lost like a full month on that. And that's what we're getting. It's a wet... My husband says just baby cow. Yeah, it's generic. So it took him a while to answer because he's washing gold rush. That's okay. Um, <laughs> you know, why is she not using it? Why? Because it would get shut question. down. Yeah, but you could try. You but know, it would get shut down. Money on it. Spend... Right, right before an election, she would lose her cornerstone piece of legislation, if we want to call it that, uh, and it would it would not be a be a great look. I mean, it's the same reason I'm sure why they're writing the bill the way that they're going to be writing the bill, which is going to be uh, so. If we get a complaint about this happening in Alberta, which has never actually happened in Alberta, then we'll stomp our feet violently. Um, that that that'll be the. There won't be anything that can actually be challenged because if they write this bill and they say, "Hey, this is the new rule in Alberta," and they enact it, that's when the federal government can say, "Oh, that's cute. Mm -hmm. Good try, there, Danny. Come back again." But it's like, you know, when my when my little Maddie. When she protests about something, she, she rolls in a ball. When she is not in agreement with something, she doesn't throw a temper tantrum. She rolls in a ball and protests. When we go pick her up from Baba's house, her grandmother, she sees us, she's like, nope, rolls into a little ball. I feel like that's what we've been doing. I don't know. I'm trying to understand why we spent a full legislative session when there's like literally people dying, the healthcare system's on fire, and you know our nurses are and doctors are flocking the province. But hey, that's okay. We'll find thirty six hundred more healthcare workers. No problem. And then we're not using it. It's going to be put on the shelf. Sarah. Yes. The Sovereignty Act. Yes. It's like a calf. It requires care and nurturing to grow. You shouldn't have given me that. <laughs> ah, we're up to an hour and a half. I'm going to put a lid on it. Yeah. Um, anything, anything you're watching for this week? Legislature is reconvening tomorrow. It's going to be interesting. Allegedly. <laughs> I feel like I mean, I'm not getting uh, best service for my money. I'm not mad at the MLAs. I'm not mad at them because they have zero control over it. But also, I'm looking forward to see if uh, Travis Tate's going to announce that he's not going to be running. 
I think he is going to renounce that. Yeah, he will announce that he's not going back. Because I don't know if you noticed, but last week when he was doing his throne speech, uh, spe- his budget speech, sorry, I'm a little rambling tonight because it, it's been a long week. There was a lot that happened. But he was going through all the budgets he tabled. And he was getting, I could hear a lot of emotion in his voice. I was like, oh, that's going to be interesting. I think we're losing Travis Staves. I think it's going to be interesting. And a little sad, even if, you know, a lot of people are not fans of Travis. Remember, Travis is now a progressive, and he's the one pushing back on the premiere on a lot of items, and now he's leaving. So, I don't know, maybe they'll put Dan Williams as Minister of Finances? Who knows? I don't know. What do I know? Maybe Jason Steffen, while we're at it. He's, He's a charter accountant. I think Hildebee's just one comment of the night. What? It's on the screen. Doesn't Travis have calves that need care? <laughs> Thank you for joining in on the fun and games. That's All so right. Sure. Wrap, gonna wrap it up here. Um, Sarah, we'll see you on a Wednesday before you go on vacation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll, I'll pop in on the Wednesday. Depends what time. We'll see. Perfect. Good stuff. On the beach? I mean... You can do what you want. I'm gonna maybe maybe I will make up for the the lack of Sarah bombs. Um, but I'm glad you're getting away. I'm glad you. I hope you have an amazing vacation. We'll chat more about it on Wednesday. Uh, in the meantime, and in between time, here's where I clear the room. Um, I want to say a huge big thank you to everybody who weighed in on the comments tonight. Um, especially that last one from, from Hilda Beast. That was just absolutely perfect. I want to say a big thank you to uh, Politics of Disability for uh, joining in on the uh, Twitter spaces. Um, we will have the Twitter spaces up and running again next, this coming Wednesday. So if anybody wants to share some thoughts on Wednesday, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Um, thank you, everybody who listened in on the Twitter spaces as well. As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, we'd love nothing more than if you considered signing up to be one of our sponsors at our Patreon site at www.patreon.com slash thebreakdownab, where for just the price of a fancy cup of coffee, uh, you can help us continue to produce the kind of content that we do. We got some good stuff coming up right away. We have, uh, like I said, the conversation with Dr. Dwayne Bratt we're going to be releasing on Sunday. We're going to be having a conversation with uh, economist Trevor Toom, God willing. He's going to really go in depth with the budget with us. And uh, we got a couple of other things. We used to we used to do these things where we would highlight like um, individual stories and individual situations that weren't necessarily political, but that were definitely impacted by things political. We're going to try to do a couple more of those. I'm excited, really excited about one of them that we're in the process of lining up. I don't want to tip my hand too much on it yet because we have to still schedule it, but it's uh, it's going to be a good one. Um if you can't afford, and I know there's lots of people that uh, listen to the show, support the show, that don't have the financial means to be one of our Patreon sponsors, don't feel bad about that at all. Um, like and share, as they say, subscribe, smash that subscribe button, as the, the kids say on the YouTubes. Um, and that's pretty much it for this week. Um, again, I want to say a huge thank you to everybody uh, for engaging Um And I know that there are a lot of people who are feeling super fatigued right now uh, because things are coming so fast and furious. 
and we're seeing so many changes and we do have this election coming up that's coming really quickly and the stakes are really high. I think I mentioned this earlier in the week. I had a conversation with a couple of political scientists at Dr. Bratt's uh, book launch and hearing some of them say like political scientists tend to be the people who are the first ones to say everybody always says that this election is the most high stakes election ever. Uh, And it's not true. Most elections, it's simply not true. The number of people that I spoke to on Monday night last week who were like, actually, this time when people are saying that they're not wrong was really quite telling. So take care of yourselves, do the self-care stuff. It's super important. Find the little victories that you can have in life because this is a critically important election. And regardless of who wins it, we all have to be prepared to demand a little bit better. We all have to be prepared to say, Hey, maybe not that thing on my watch. And uh, we all have to be prepared to remind the Western standard that they're terrible at their job sometimes. Thanks again, everybody. Uh, Have a great evening. Take care of yourselves. And as always, keep the conversation going. Mm -hmm.